Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayera. Parshas Vayera is such an incredible parsha, whereby we are given such a glimpse into the life of Avraham and Sarah, and we walk away each year from Parshas Vayera feeling at least six feet tall, if not taller, proud to be a Jew. I'd like to focus primarily on the first eight psukim of Parshas Vayera, whereby the Torah describes the incredible hospitality of Avram and Sarah. Now, before we even look at the first eight psukim, I'd like to take a step back and share with you a fascinating concept that Rav Hirsch Zechronel of Racha taught, and that is that very often the Torah teaches in the extreme. And I'll give you a few examples thereof. Firstly, the Torah does not simply state that when a man marries a woman, he is to provide her with a ksuba, a marriage contract which delineates her rights and his obligations to her. It does, however, teach in Parshas Mishpatim that in the event that a father is so destitute that he has to sell his daughter as an Oma Ivriya, a Jewish bondswoman, and if either the master or his son wishes to marry her, then she, the Oma Ivriya, must be given She'era, Ksusa, the Onasa, food, clothing, and marital relations. Now, if this woman, who comes from the lowest economic strata of society, if she's entitled to a Ksuba, then all the more so the rest of women in society. A second example would be that the Torah says in Parshas Kedoshim, Lo Sekalel Cheresh, you're not to curse the deaf. Now the Torah is teaching how careful one must be with their speech, how powerful is one's speech, and the potential damage that one's speech can accomplish. Yet, the Torah teaches this once again in the extreme. One may not curse even one who doesn't hear the curse. And certainly, they may not curse one who is blessed with the sense of hearing. Another example. In Parshas Kiseitse, the Torah teaches that in the rare occurrence that a criminal is hanged, we are not allowed to keep his body on the gallows overnight. Rather, you shall surely bury him on that day, kikavor tikbarenu bayomahu. Now, this is the biblical source of the mitzvah to bury every Jew as quickly as possible, right? Everyone is created in the image of Hashem, and all are to be buried most expeditiously. The Torah, however, teaches this lesson in the extreme, 
focusing on the criminal, that even he is granted this privilege. And finally, another example in Devarim. We find further on in Kiseitse, the Torah teaches Kadosh. Your camp shall be holy. This is understood to mean in areas of tsnius, modesty, as well as physical cleanliness. Another one of those we added first, cleanliness is next to godliness, culminating in the sanctity of the camp. What is most noteworthy is, however, that this directive, which applies at all times, is taught and presented in the Torah in the context of warfare, that even at such a time, when one could imagine a slackening off of the standards in view of the bigger picture of survival, it is just in that context and circumstance that even then your camp has to be holy. Again, the Torah is teaching in the extreme. And I'd like to suggest that just as in these four examples, the Torah teaches in the extreme here too in the realm of Midos, namely refining one's character and developing one's potential, that here too the Torah is going to teach in the extreme. Now note, there are no extra words in the Torah. And the Torah could simply have said, Avraham hechnis orchim, or Avraham hitztayin bachnosas orchim. The Torah could have said, Avraham excelled in achnosas orchim, in extending hospitality, and we would have had a certain positive picture an assessment of Avram Avinu. However, the Torah expends no less than eight psukim, providing every detail. Yes, we need to know the extreme heat of the day. Yes, we need to know how Avram lures his guests by offering a little snack and providing a lavish feast. After whom, after all, rather, for whom was this? Hachnos as Orchim extended. We need to know it's the third day after his circumcision, and yet he runs himself to the cattle to select only the best. Why are we told all these details and more? Uh, firstly, Avram performs his acts of chesed, Shalom Anas Lekabel Pras, meaning he does it all altruistically, not looking for any reward. However, we're taught in Bava Metziah 87b that commensurate with the manner of the performance of Avram's chesed, namely, that which Avram performed himself, Hashem personally responded in kind to his prodigy. And that which Avram delegated to others to do, again the Jewish people were rewarded via agents of Hashem but not through his direct involvement. The first clear lesson from these eight psukim 
in Parshas Vayera is that Hashem notes every detail, not just of Avram, but of us. Hashem appreciates it, and it's deposited in the divine bank of Chesed. And just as Avram's descendants were the beneficiaries of his beneficent actions, so too our acts of kindness, Emir Tzashem, will benefit future Jewish nation. Another vital lesson from the extreme chesed of Avram is that the first ape sukkah mavayera are not simply a historical event, but rather are to be emulated by Avram's descendants. Let me ask you, where did the Jew in the Shoah, who was given one slice of bread, which he needs for his survival, where did he get the ability to share it with the inmate next to him, though he doesn't even know his name? I believe it comes from Avram Avinu, as I will explain. In Pirkei Avos, chapter 5, Mishnah 3, we are taught, Asoradoros minoach Avram. There were ten generations from Noach to Avram. In the next Mishnah, we are taught that Avram Avinu, our father, was tested with ten tests. Why asks Reb Chaim in his Perush, Ruach Chaim, on Pirkei Avos. Why is it referred to in the second Mishnah as Avinu, our father? And he answers that the first Mishnah is simply chronological in nature, a historical fact. The second Mishnah, however, teaches that Avram Avinu had the ability to overcome and pass his ten tests. As a biological parent transmits many characteristics of their DNA to their children, Avram Avinu imparts spiritual genetics to his descendants, enabling them to overcome what appears to be impossible challenges. How did the Jew in the Shoah share his bread? There's only one answer. He had in his blood the DNA of Avram Avinu. Avram went to the extreme, and this man, a descendant and disciple of Avram, was able to do the same. Am Yisrael, the Jewish nation, is blessed with three avos. And therefore, Yitzchak Avinu is the paradigm of Mesiras Nefesh, the ability to sacrifice literally the very life for Hashem. And it's called Akedas Yitzchak at the end of our Pasha, the binding of Yitzchak, even though the test might have been more difficult for Avram to slaughter his son than for the son to be slaughtered. However, we are taught that Yitzchak urged his father to bind him more tightly, lest he flinch and disqualify the sacrifice. This Incredible Givura, as well, is with is in our DNA, as the following story demonstrates. 
Rebeleza Silva Zatzal was in a DP camp and was looking for a minion. When nine had gathered, he asked for a tenth, only to be told that a Jew who had been turned off from the Shoah would not participate in the minion. The rabbi asked to meet with the Jew, who explained to the rabbi why he was so turned off to Judaism. He related that in the concentration camp, a Jew had smuggled a pair of tefillin and he would only allow those who gave him part of their food ration to don the tefillin. This improper behavior so turned him off that he refused to be part of a minion. And Rev Silva said, Instead of looking at the one who sadly acted most inappropriately, look at the many who were willing to give up their much-needed rations for the privilege of performing a mitzvah. From where did these men get the ability to literally give of their essential nourishment to perform a mitzvah? And the answer lies in the fact that they have the DNA of Yitzchok in them. And finally, our third Av, Yaakov Avinu, represents the commitment to the study of Torah, which enabled and energized Rabbi Akiva to defy the Roman decree regarding teaching Torah to the masses. Moreover, Yaakov represents the Jewish family. The Gemarim Sochim 88a teaches that Yaakov is the paradigm of the Jewish family. It is interesting to note that the initial recitation of Shema Yisrael was said by Yaakov's sons. When Yaakov wished to impart to his children the secrets of the end of days, and this prophecy was withheld from him, Yaakov asked, perhaps one of his children does not share the core belief in Hashem as he does, thereby diminishing the prophetic transmission. And his children responded to him, No, Shema Yisrael, listen, our father Israel, we affirm that your belief is ours, and therefore the Jewish home and family is at the core and of our existence, and upon serious reflection, we recognize that it's both a privilege and a challenge to maintain the Jewish home, but we're grateful that we are all the more empowered to so do, due to the DNA of Yaakov Avinu. Ashrenu Matov Chelkeinu. Shabbat Shalom to all.